As I mentioned last week, um, the Gospels that we're going to hear during the Easter season are, are going to have these appearances of Christ, these, uh, these different ways in which the Lord shows himself to his disciples. Um, and I think to understand the, the situation going on in today's Gospel um, from Luke, we just have to you know, go back a little bit and you know, just a few chapters previously to understand who these two disciples were and what, what were they doing, who were they talking to. Well, and that story is the, the road to Emmaus, which, which many of you probably know. So you have these two disciples, they're walking on the road to Emmaus, right? They're going to Emmaus. And uh, they're talking about all the stuff that just happened in Jerusalem. You know, Jesus and his death and all that. And uh, a man, uh, you know, meets up with them and starts walking with them. They don't recognize him yet as Jesus. It's, of course, Jesus. But to them, it's this guy that they meet on the way. And uh, they continue to walk together. And Jesus begins to explain to them how everything that happened in Jerusalem to the Christ was exactly what the scriptures had predicted. He begins to open for them the scriptures. Now remember, all they, they didn't have any New Testament, right? They're living the New Testament. There's no New Testament. There's no real Bible. There's, there's scrolls of Old Testament books. And so he's explaining to them how the Old Testament prophets and the Psalms and, and etc. all point to the events that occurred in Jerusalem. In other words, what Jesus did was fulfill what had been predicted. And then they, they get uh, to the place where they're, they're going to rest and the Lord takes the bread and he blesses it, he breaks the bread. And at that moment, uh, the two disciples' eyes are opened and they're filled with amazement because now they recognize Jesus. It's when he breaks the bread and they recognize that it was him all along. So then they go back to Jerusalem and they meet with the 11, and that's where we're at today. So they meet with the apostles because they want to tell them what happened. We saw the Lord. And, and what we find in, in the New Testament is all these examples of we saw the Lord, we saw the Lord, we saw the Lord. And the testimony comes together. And of course, they go to the apostles and tell them, this is what happened. Our hearts were burning when Jesus opened for us the scriptures. And then when he broke the bread, we, we, we saw him as he really is, but in a new way, right? Because this is the resurrected Lord the, with his resurrected body. And then as they're recounting the story, Jesus appears again. He appears to all of them once again. And he says what he said previously. He says, peace be with you. Now, the apostles had seen the Lord a couple of times, the resurrected Lord a couple of times at this point. Now he comes back and he says, peace be with you. Same thing. You would think the apostles perhaps had this figured out yet, but they don't. Immediately they're struck with fear and terror. They think they're seeing a ghost. And the Lord, you know, knows this. And so he says, you're not seeing a ghost. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at the wounds. Look at my physicality. Yes, I... Uh, obviously, my resurrected body is different, but it is the same one you saw last week. It is the same one you saw the week before. It is I who died upon the cross. Here are the marks in my hands and in my feet. And he tries to comfort them. And then he says, you know, do you have anything to eat? And they give him a piece of bacon. Well, why does he do that? 
Because he's really hungry in his resurrected body? No, he's not hungry. He does it once again to demonstrate his physicality, that he's real. Because ghosts don't eat fish. I don't know what they eat, but they, <laughs> they don't eat, right? A ghost isn't going to eat. So, so again, the Lord breaking the bread in the, in the previous for the two disciples, and then here eating the fish. He's saying, look, yes, it's different. I'm different. Resurrected body. But I, there's still a, a reality about me. Some sort of physicality that is beyond full comprehension and senses. But it is I. And then he begins to tell them once again, everything that happened to me was what was predicted. Everything. Now, consider this. This is not the first time Jesus told them. Right? They, he, when he first met with them, you'd think they'd be convicted. Okay, he's resurrected. This is awesome. But then, Tom, remember Thomas wasn't with them? This is last week. Thomas wasn't with them. So then the next week, they're still locked in the upper room. Thomas is with them. Jesus comes, same thing. Peace be with you. Explains the whole thing again. Now he comes back. They're still terrified. It still hasn't sunk into their, their you know, rock-headed brains. They, they can't figure it out yet. Jesus is there once again, and he's got to explain himself. What's interesting about this, a number of things are interesting, but, but what I find to be really interesting about this is that these are not the reports of people who would be making this up. Okay, because a lot of people have said throughout the centuries, yeah, well, there may have been a man named Jesus who died, but there's no way he resurrected from the dead. That's impossible, you know, and you'll get scientists who say, well, that's impossible, which science always says until they prove something is possible that wasn't formally possible. But anyway, you know, people have said throughout the centuries, it's not possible. It was all made up. It was a fiction. And the apostles made it up so that they could create this church and take everybody's money, which doesn't seem to be working too well. But anyway, these are not the reports of people who are exceedingly, exceedingly brilliant about a conspiracy because they look really, really bad. This is, these are the reports of apostles who have no clue what's going on and they can't figure it out. And, and of course, we can look at them and say, well, gosh, you guys, I mean, at what point are you going to figure it out? Well, it's taking quite a few times for them to figure it out. What exactly is God doing? You know, he dies on the cross and then they see him a week later. Then they see him a week later, you know, and they're having all of these encounters with Christ and they're trying to get a handle on it. But they're not making themselves out to be really, you know, intellectual giants. You know, they're, they're not really, they're losing the plot very, very easily. And so the, the reports of what happened are not really reports of what you would expect for this grand plan of, of deception, you know, to, to all of the Lord's followers. It's actually really kind of the opposite. The way it reads, the way, it, you know, we receive it is sort of clumsy, you know, and, and real life. It's sort of a real life clumsy experience of Christ, the risen Christ. Because, of course, it's true. It's absolutely true. And the apostles are merely reporting, and Luke is writing it down, but they're reporting what actually happened. So the, the apostles and the disciples, 
you know, when they, when they first had the experience or the knowledge of Christ's death, they, they were shattered. They were absolutely shattered, right? And then they're, they're locked in the upper room. They're despondent. They're depressed. They're perhaps even somewhat hopeless. Because how could this be God's plan? And this is why you have Jesus coming back and explaining to them, it is God's plan. From all time, this was God's plan to redeem his people through me in this way. And they, they just can't kind of, you know, switch on their brains to make it connect that this is God's plan. So Jesus keeps coming back and saying, no, Isaiah prophesied about this. You know, the, the, uh, the ministry of Moses as priest, prophet, and king that was shattered is brought back in me as priest, prophet, and king. You know, the, the, um, the serpent in the desert that is raised up by Moses uh, to heal all those who had, who had been struck by the seraph serpents and then they're healed, that is a, an image of me raised up to save my people. He explains all of these things over and over so that they, their, their hearts begin to burn. It's okay, it's making sense. This is God's plan after all. And I suppose, and you know, and I've, I've made light of them a little bit here, you know, they can get back at me later, but they're, they've been dead for 2,000 years, so the apostles, but you know, we kind of make light of them and say they didn't, they didn't figure it out and all the rest, but I don't know that we would be a whole lot better if it was our experience. But we do have similar experiences, don't we, of saying to the Lord, this couldn't possibly be your plan. How could this be your plan for me or my family or even the world? How could this be your plan? You know, there, there's different periods in our life, perhaps, where we, we encounter great darkness and fear and depression or mourning or sadness. And we wonder, how could this be your plan? You love me. You redeemed me. This couldn't be it. We question whether God is actually being God and doing what he's supposed to do. And then after a bit of time, and that could be, you know, weeks or months or even years, depending on, on the situation, how many times have we been able to look back at that period of time that we were questioning that God was, you know, knew what he was doing. And we look back now and we say, oh, you knew what you were doing after all. Oh, you did know what you were doing. It makes perfect sense now. We never see it when we're in it. We always see it though, or we can see it, if we look in hindsight. And we can see how God was at work. He does it over and over and over again. And this is exactly the experience of the apostles. They're living with the Lord Jesus. You know, he's teaching them. He's talking about saving his people and they think that this is gonna be something other than his death. And then when it happens, they say, this could not possibly be God's plan. And then he comes back and says, no, it is God's plan. It always was God's plan. And so my, my brothers and sisters, I think what this calls us to, of course, is, is greater faith, being steadfast, being courageous. When we are in the midst of whatever situation, suffering or confusion or depression or despondency, God is still working. It's easy to see God working when everything is going right. How often does that happen? When everything is going right, God is wonderful 
And then it's not, and God is horrible, and he probably doesn't exist. We have all these questions about faith. This is natural. But what we need to do is we need to sustain ourselves through those dark periods and remember that God always pieces things together. He always brings things together for the good, no matter how dark or how bleak things may look in our lives or just confusing. God has a plan for each one of us, and it is unfolding. So let us have courage, let us have strength, and let us have hope. Please stand.